Escaping Denver, Supplementary. Interview with John Zada. I know, I know, I know. I'm releasing this episode on an off week, but in my defense, this isn't like the other episodes. See, I've been getting emails asking me about what my research process is. What am I doing beyond asking all of you for help? And that's, that's a fair question. When these messages dropped in on me out of the blue, I had no idea where to begin. I started with the internet, which was just a rabbit hole of contradicting theories. Is there such a thing as access to too much information? It's like drinking from a fire hose. That experience had me longing for a book or something to explain it all. Just a simple textbook for what I'm going through. Something about it being printed makes it tangible and somehow more reputable. Sadly, libraries don't have an I've received messages from strangers trapped in potential secret military base section, so I still had to hunt. Full disclosure, the, the hardcore believers in this stuff freak me out a bit. They're all just so passionate and certain. It's like oil and water to what I was feeling. So I had to look for an author that's a little bit more like me. At least a degree of separation between them and the subject. A skeptic. What I really needed was a journalist. And that's what brought me to John Zada. Yes, he wrote a a great book about searching for the Sasquatch, but he is first and foremost a journalist and approached the subject matter like like it was an investigative report. If I could just sit down with him and ask him a few questions, maybe he could help me untangle this all. I couldn't exactly tell him what my situation was with the messages, clearly. I barely believe them myself, but I did tell him I was doing a podcast that touches on conspiracy theories. What follows is the first of my interviews with authors and experts in this subject matter. The occult, the paranormal, the stuff we're not supposed to believe in. I'll build up to the people who have experienced the stuff firsthand, but I just had to start with my fellow skeptics. Here's my chat with John Zada. All right. So right off, let's kick it off. We have uh, John Zada with us, author, journalist, uh, traveler. Uh, thank you very much for being here. I, I appreciate your time uh, to talk about the subject of, uh, well, a number of subjects, but primarily the Sasquatch. You've written this wonderful book, In the Valleys of the Noble Beyond, In Search of the Sasquatch, which is a a very different take on the Sasquatch phenomenon. Uh, Certainly, we can see one another. You are not an in-the-woods hunter, uh, camo gear, uh, trying to track down Sasquatch type. So you're a journalist first. What led you to tackle this subject? Uh, that's a bit of a two pronged answer, but, I first of all, I had gone out to, uh, the central coast of British Columbia to work on a travel feature about a place called the Great Bear Rainforest, which is about 400 kilometers north of Vancouver, um, pristine wilderness region, mountainous on the coast, um, uh, intact ecosystem. And I, I'd gone there for two weeks to, write a travel feature just as a kind of upcoming adventure destination, you know, a locale basically. But when I'd gotten there, the timing was such that there were a whole bunch of uh, Sasquatch sightings and reports that were happening 
like up and down the coast in a bunch of different communities that I was visiting and just by coincidence. And, and um, the, the, the second of the two prong answer is that I, I have an interest in the subject going back to childhood because I grew up in a time when the subject um, was popular, like in the late seventies, early eighties, movies, TV shows, pop culture, like, even even just retail items and stuff. It was just a really big thing. And I grew up with those stories and with reading books at the library about it. And so when I, you know, by the time my trip ended two weeks later uh, to write that travel feature, which, which I did write up afterwards, um, it had, it had wet my appetite and got me interested anew in the subject. And I made a decision that, I wasn't done with this and I really wanted to go back and spend a bunch of time the next summer researching, exploring this topic to write a book about it, to figure out whether the creatures actually exist or not. That was the way I was going to frame the, the, the quest. Well, I think a lot of us in our youth, especially were uh, taken by the story of Bigfoot. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily watch it when it was live on television, but the million dollar man episode with the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot was fantastic. And I was always disappointed that it was a robot in the end and instead of uh, actual proof that this thing had existed. Right. Uh, I think we all feel that way when we're younger. So when you started this investigation, would you have considered yourself a believer? I would say that um, at the outset, I was, I, I leaned towards the notion that the animals quite likely existed uh, and that, you know, perhaps the reason why they hadn't been officially discovered or cataloged or was that they were quite evolved, quite intelligent, quite self-aware. And, but I, but I wasn't sure. Right. And I, and, and, and I'm not one who tends to say a hundred percent that something exists or doesn't exist when I don't know personally or haven't seen something or haven't experienced it. So I wanted to, to do a trip on the ground whereby I interviewed people, I did my own explorations and I perhaps even try to encounter one of the animals myself by going to places where they'd been frequently seen um, in an attempt to maybe bring some certainty to the issue or perhaps, or, and I was also open to the possibility that maybe there, maybe I was wrong or, or maybe my leaning towards their existence was, was not correct um, because of some other reasons. And I used the book and the story to create a parallel journey where I explore uh, ideas of perception and belief and why we would see things that maybe don't exist and plugging it into, into that uh, question. Well, you certainly paired yourself up with some uh, pretty f firm believers. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you, you spent some time with John uh, Bindernagel. Am I saying that right? Yep, Bindernagel. Uh, Bindernagel, who I've read other things he's written about the subject, and he certainly speaks about uh, there being a certainty that the Sasquatch exists. It's not a matter of he's no longer exploring trying to prove that they exist, he's kind of moved on to the other questions. Now, I imagine being around that kind of passion, especially at the beginning of this journey, can be intoxicating, you know, try to really suck you into it uh, and make you a, a, a big-time believer because 
in the book, you speak about a, an incident in, was it 98 in Nelson, where right. you had your own questionable yeah. encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you um, mind talking about that just a little bit? Yeah. And so, um, when I, when I started writing the story, I gave, a, I, as, as, as a device in storytelling, uh, um, I, I went into the sort of just just backstory in terms of my interest beyond even just the childhood stuff, just sort of what happened into a, into adulthood. And one, one of the, one of the factors that um, compelled me to, again, go back to, 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 to do the journey. That was the story of the book was um, an incident that took place uh, in Nelson, British Columbia um, in the, uh, in the Kootenai region. I was there visiting a friend of mine, uh, at the time. And we'd gone for a hike in the winter. It was a winter hike. Um, it was a trail that started off at the top of the community at the top of the, the, the street where the, the mountain is and sort of hugs the, the mountainside. And, uh, we were by ourselves. We'd hiked for about an hour, hour and a half or so. And we, to make a long story short, we'd stop to have a snack. I think we were having some trail mix and up above us, um, and behind us, we'd heard this sort of lumbering bipedal walking sound through the snow. And it just was like crunch, crunch, crunch. And it just sort of, it just paralleled us above us and, and just basically walked right past us, heavy breathing, uh, kind of a labored, labored movement. And it didn't, it didn't sound to us anyway, like it was, um, any kind of an animal. I mean, I, bears would have been hibernating at the time and um, the thought of, of, of it being uh, some other animal, did, did, it, it sounded like a person basically. And so, and it was very loud and it sounded very close and it sounded almost like an stereo surround sound. Like it was, it's, and, but yet there was no visual evidence of the thing moving and there were no, there was no snow falling off the trees. And so um, within about like less than a minute, as we were asking each other what had taken place, the thing had come back, we started walking back in the other direction. And the minute that had happened, we realized that we were dealing, we were just really afraid and we were really freaked out. And we, we broke into a sprint, ran back to town basically. And, um, and uh, I, from there started making inquiries in the, in the, in the community about, about Sasquatches and met a researcher. And so that had played into my pre-existing interest and belief in the subject. And I thought afterwards that I'd perhaps, we'd perhaps had a Sasquatch encounter and, 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 you know, had not known it for sure. Cause we didn't see it. So, and the area is known for the area is known for a lot of reports as well. Well, that is a tough thing with the subject of uh, the Sasquatch or Bigfoot is that there aren't a lot of, there's a lot of, audio sounds you hear them you've seen evidence of them but there's not a world of close encounters i i could smell him i could i, I could touch them it's a it seems you've you've spoken to dozens of people uh, about their encounters would you say most are similar to yours in that it's a fragment of an interaction uh you know you don't quite get the whole picture i i think um i would I mean, it's hard to say without compiling all of turning it into data, basically. But I would say there is there are probably in in my experience um, twice as many. Uh, I would say 
let's let's say non-visual encounters over the visual. And even among the visual, there's sort of the more close up, there's the more distant. And so they vary in quality, but I would say because the animals are said to vocalize and, um, you know, they're heavy, they move through the brush. And so you've got the stomping, you've got, you have the various calls, you have rock throwing, you have all, you know, a, a, what's known as the tree knocking where they are thought or alleged to take a stick and communicate by hitting it on the tree trunk. You have a lot of that kind of thing. And you have, you, you, you tend to have people who spend a lot of time in the bush who know a lot about the various animal sounds. And so they, they tend those people tend to be more certain when they think they've heard something that they, that they know they haven't heard before or doesn't exist. So um, uh, in terms of the visual encounters, uh, they're, they're less frequent, I would say, um, but you do get them and um, uh, they can, again, they can, they can range from something very close up to something quite distant. And I've, and obviously the further distant, the more questionable it may be because brown hair, black hair could be brown bear or grizzly black bear. You know, it becomes ambiguous after that. So, um, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially those types of encounters that you're dealing with. I was going to say, I, I, I was more ignorant on the subject than I thought. I thought I would be well-versed in the Sasquatch because of pop culture osmosis. I thought I would have had absorbed a great deal more, but yours in your book was the first retelling I've ever heard of somebody saying jet black hair. I had never even questioned that it would be anything but the, the visuals that we've been presented with, that there were this variety and then stories of red haired Sasquatches and mm-hmm. the, the, the white haired. And it seems like a, a pretty big detail to change between stories when, these stories are popping up and sometimes over the course of centuries, these sightings mm-hmm. across Canada in communities that maybe didn't interact at all were individually coming up with this same appearance. That's right. Now, do you think the fact that a lot of the people you were talking to and speaking, you know, you're in a lot of first nations land and telling these stories of hundreds of years ago, sightings have been occurring. Do you think that is maybe what leads to the Bigfoot and Sasquatch being so continually relevant, continually part of the conversation? I mean, it's as a complete outsider to this, I, I came in thinking I knew a great deal. And I, I'm curious if, if that is because this, these stories have been around for hundreds of years or just because of the sheer amount of sightings. Well, I, I would say that the historical component um, lends credence to the subject matter um, in communities where those reports go back in time and in which history is and tradition is respected. So among the First Nation communities, um, because the creatures are um, in their in their storytelling traditions and in their, in their stories, but named differently. They have different, they, they manifest as different beings, supernatural or otherwise. Um, that makes, that makes the subject more valid than it would be in, let's say in a place where, where you don't have that. And so, um, I mean, it really depends because, 
there are parts of the province, I would say, there are parts of British Columbia uh, where I visited um, and, and BC is sort of an open, it really, it, Sasquatch can appear anywhere basically, but like um, th- there are just areas where there are less, there's less interaction, there is less predisposition to believe and, um, and, and you have less reports and that could be because of, that could be because of the attitude of the, of the local population, pe- population of people. So it's just, it's, it just, it's, the the um the popularity or the viability uh of the topic really will just it'll depend on a whole bunch of things i think and you know harrison hot springs for instance which um um has a long history of reports and we know that it does because there were some non-indigenous people writing about the subject there as far back as the 20s um it's become it's become a Sasquatch hotspot. So in a sense, like that will always be on the Sasquatch map, right? So um, um, as will you know Willow Creek, Willow Creek, and Bluff Creek in California, and just there are just various nodes of it. So um, um, all that plays into into uh, what people think they see and don't see in those places. I think there is something comforting. Uh, there's something. I guess, comforting and believing in something, uh, whether there's proof in it or not. I mean, there's, there's certainly newer cryptids in the cryptozoological field, the, you know, the chupacabra, you know, mm-hmm. the reports of that come start in the nineties. Mm-hmm. It's a relatively new mm-hmm. cryptid, uh, that doesn't have nearly as rich a heritage, but I, I suppose the stories of cryptids have to start somewhere always. And maybe we're just at the beginning of, you know, the next Bigfoot saga. Uh, have you in your, in your exploration of the subject matter, did you come across people that had, you know, not only have I seen Bigfoot, I've also seen blank. I've also seen, did you find that there was this, the people that had seen something have seen others? So in the time that I'd spent traveling on the BC coast, both for, uh, the actual three month trip that I depict in the story and also for follow-up trips to the area where I do further research. And I even wrote part of the book while I was up there. Um, I did it. I didn't really come across um, mention of other cryptids in the sense of, uh, of, of, you know, vastly different creatures that are controversial or, super mysterious or supernatural. Um, I did, but at the same time, there were mention of, 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 of other things. So I, I met a lot of fishermen, for example, uh, deep sea fishermen, commercial fishermen. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big business up along the coast. And, um, you know, I met a guy who had told me that he had seen a kind of sea serpent type of thing. Uh, he, he couldn't describe it, but, um, but, um, uh, it was like a, like a, like a Loch Ness monster type of creature that, um, had been spotted by not just him, but other, other fishermen, uh, colleagues of his that had fished in the same area. So I guess, you know, between, uh, the North coast of Vancouver Island and up to Haida Gwaii and, and all along, you know, up, up into even the, the Alaska panhandle. And so, um, that creature or those creatures, are are referred to by some cryptozoologists 
as a Cadborosaurus because I think one of those animals had washed up on a beach or on the shore near Victoria, British Columbia or, or in Victoria. And so um, there is, there is, I think there is a photograph of that, of the body. And I think there, there is some evidence based on what they had found that there was some kind of a serpent. And so these guys had described that uh, when I met them, you know, um, and this is something that other fishermen had seen. Also, um, there was mentioned several times by people in the communities, First Nation people, about a smaller Bigfoot type of creature, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a small midget kind of thing that, that some people call um, the Bukwis. Uh, or Pukwis, or what? I mean, there's different variations of the name, and 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 I'd ask them, you know, are could you possibly be mistaking the creature for a juvenile Sasquatch, for a smaller creature that is a child? And they said, no, we have a different being here that is smaller. So it's like a Sasquatch, but it's like smaller, and so that would, I think, um, qualify as a different. Uh, cryptozoological being. And so those were sort of the two other, other things that uh, I'd heard about. And then maybe one more person had mentioned like a gigantic bird that was like the size of a man or something like that, that someone had seen, but you do get these reports of like gigantic birds occasionally. So that could have just been like a huge, huge Eagle. Um, well, absolutely. Was, I, I was certainly surprised at some of the size of uh, that Eagles can reach especially if you're from a city <laughs> the first time you see them uh, can definitely be scarier, but no, that is interesting that, you know, the people that have seen maybe have sometimes a, the ability to continue to see, or at least continue to look ice. I'm sure fishermen are one of the few, the, the few travelers left in our world uh, that kind of explore. Well, I was, just, I was going to say that, um, you hear from them frequently if you know enough of them or if you were to talk to enough of them who've spent a lifetime working in that field, that they tend to catch a lot of really strange stuff in their nets. And, um, you know, the ocean being the ocean and being really a place where we can't really go, um, they probably do come across, uh, I imagine, species of fish that have never been documented before. So that wouldn't surprise me that they may have found things uh, that, um, have still, you know, eluded science, let's say. Well, the ocean is certainly a place where we, we were tend to refer to the monsters or if, even if there are cryptids, we turn to refer to the things that exist in the ocean as, you know, science just hasn't gotten there yet. So we don't have to explain it. Well, science will get there. Of course, there's creatures down there. Science just hasn't reached it. But on land, I think we have this arrogance that we've seen everything. Uh, especially when it comes to mammals, especially when it comes to large mammals, uh, that it's harder for us to, you know, say science hasn't caught up. Because in this day and age, when there's four million photographs being taken every second or some other statistic, you know, why isn't there more evidence? Mm -hmm. Why isn't there more proof? You 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 held the uh, the plaster cast of one of these big footprints. And I'm sure you've come across a great deal of those. That seems to be the evidence that most most uh, Sasquatch hunters uh, are hanging their hat on, is that you know the footprints tend to tell the story and wonderful details about you know why these footprints couldn't have been forged 
or why they, they are likely real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why isn't there more, uh, why isn't there more evidence? What, what explanation did you come across for why there isn't more? Cause I'm sure you were hungry for more. If all these people have these stories. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, that's the million dollar question. And I mean, there are various answers depending on one's perspective on it. And then one is the, is the skeptical debunker uh, argument that there just aren't any basically. And so that's, that's one, that's one um, point of view. Another one is that the creatures are supernatural and can dematerialize and can travel through dimensional portals and that kind of that more magical, you know, appear, disappear sort of approach, which is, which, I would say um, is, is a minority, I would say, of most people interested in the Sasquatch. I, and the majority, I would say, are more, well, um, it's just, a, it's, it's circumstantial. It's that um, the creatures are shy, they're nocturnal, they're um, uh, self-aware, unlike most animals that they'll just, you know, bears and deer and elk will wander onto a road and they're not thinking in advance that they want to avoid people. And so the Sasquatches are said to be elusive in that sense. And that's what they're really good at. And, um, you know, their numbers are rare, hard to find bodies and carcasses and bones in a forest in which the body decomposes and the bones decompose and people are not they stick to trails, they stick to roads. And so like, um, uh, hard to find any physical evidence. And in terms of sightings and in terms of, you know, uh, photos and why aren't there more photos, better photos? And why aren't, why are the people who, um, are seeing them not taking better pictures if at all? And again, the, the, the arguments are, well, people who tend to see Sasquatches, uh, are caught off guard and are frightened and are shocked and they don't know what to do. And um, by the time they even think about pulling their phone or their camera out of wherever they are keeping it, the thing is gone. Uh, if it isn't at night and also there is a you know, problem of taking pictures at night and that kind of thing. So it, it, the, the, those t- tend to, that argument tends to be around just the circumstances not being favorable to, to having something like that. And the Sasquatch making it very difficult just because it's not, um, it doesn't really like to move around in the open. No, that's, that seems more than fair. There seems to be, you know, you've spoken to a lot of people who have seen it crossing the road in a way that an animal would and three strides across the highway, which is a visual that I, I truly find haunting to be honest, uh, any creature that large. Uh, would you say that given your experience with your investigation, are you more of a believer now than when you started? Or did this kind of, was the, the absence of evidence evidence to you? Well, I, I don't know. It's, I've been asked that a few times since, since finishing the book. And I, and I find that I, that I keep that, that I don't have one sort of consistent answer to it. I mean, I, I, I think at first when I, when I left the region and as I was working on the book, I may have been less convinced. Um, not 
not by people's accounts, because on one hand, when I, when I listened to the accounts, they all sounded very convincing. And I, and I don't have any doubt that those people who told me that they'd seen one did see something, if not that, but um, I, I think I remain still open to it and still um, uh, I lean towards the, the, the possibility, if not likelihood, only because it doesn't seem like such a huge stretch to me. Like it's not, it's not this preposterous idea, right? That like, that I'm like, oh no, it can't be kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like we have, you know, loads of, loads of, of ancestors in the, in, 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 you know, in our, in our evolutionary history, humanoid. And so it, it's not such a, uh, such a crazy proposition that there may have been one that has survived and maybe the has held out till the modern day and there may be a few of them left and they're probably on the verge of extinction. And so, so I would say until I see one, I'm not going to say that, yes, they exist a hundred percent for sure. Cause I don't know, but I, but I would say I, w- I, I lean towards the possibility, the, the possibility, if not probability of it and that it's probably that it would be, you know, um, a legitimate thing for scientists to look into. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something, um, something really kind of uh, um, difficult or preposterous. And in fact, when you go to certain communities out on the, on the, in the Pacific Northwest or even in other parts of the continent, I mean, and you speak to people, I mean, it's, it's sort of considered a thing in those places and, and people talk about it as if they're talking about anything else. Now, beyond whatever the Sasquatch do, uh, to elude us themselves, is there a possibility that their existence is being hidden from us from an outside source? I mean, is this something that when it comes to aliens, it feels like you're able to say, well, the government is hiding that. The government is keeping that information for us. It's it's likely that they they know it first. When it comes to something like the Sasquatch that, that's grounded here, you know, is that even a possible outcome? Is that is that something that people are even talking about? I would say no, because those people who are actively investigating the phenomenon uh, don't know very much. Um, and people, you know, working in government offices and provincial capitals, state capitals, country capitals, who don't really get out very often into the bush and who are busy doing other things. I, I mean, I would say the extent to which there may be some... Um, I don't want to use the word cover up because that's conspiratorial and I don't think it's a conspiracy thing. I think that maybe, you know, forestry people, um, people who work in an official capacity with um, the backcountry or crown land or parks might turn a blind eye to stuff or may not decide to not really pursue anything or may know stuff and they're not maybe telling their bosses or they may not be talking about it with their colleagues. So there probably is some looking away, but I don't, I don't think the government has knowledge because those people are just not on the ground in the field doing that work because they're in their offices doing other work and they just can't, they just don't, they don't know. Nobody really knows. I don't think so. um, So unlike the situation with aliens, we have satellites everywhere that are kind of doing the work. Those are out in the field as it were kind of collecting data. Um, 
you spoke about in your book uh, that pe- believers of the Sasquatch tend to fall into three categories. Uh, those that believe in them as animals, uh, spirits, or extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Now, in your uh, in your exploration, did you find many people that were justifying it as extraterrestrial, uh, or were were people primarily in those first two categories? Um, no, they were a, they were a they were a very big minority. If almost a negligible uh, presence among the communities I visited only because um, the UFO thing doesn't play into the indigenous story thing. Like they're like, they're sort of, it's almost like for them, they have a cosmology, they have a belief system, they have their traditions that are not, they're, 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 the UFO thing is not a, doesn't mix well with that i think so so i so you would get you would you would you would not really hear that perspective because they have their own explanation for it they don't need the ufo explanation um they're supernatural beings and so but so i so i think the ufo thing tends to be more of a non-indigenous kind of you know um more modern take yeah um and you know, you also need some, you also need a person who's open to that idea to also, and, and so it's, it's, it's a bit rarer, I would say, but, um, but, um, you know, when you, I, I think when I, I think on separate travels to like Nelson or in the Kootenays, which is a little bit more, you get a bit more of that new age contingent there, you know, uh, in those communities and in the smaller towns and villages and stuff. And, and there is a little bit more of a, ufo type i guess tradition there because there are lights in the sky that tend to for some weird reason i think i'd even see i'd even seen them on one of my trips there one night there was like this sort of hovering light above the mountains i went on a drive it it might have been either that trip or a different one so um it's known for that so you do you do get a little bit of a mix in that but but i didn't get any of that on the coast at all I can't let us brush past this. You seeing lights above a mountain, uh, these hovering lights. What what did you think they were? Or were people you were with? Did they kind of uh, explain them away? No, I was just I was with a I was with a friend, and we were out one night, and there was this there was this light above the mountains, kind of just hovering, and just and but I I mean. I didn't, this isn't necessarily an alien thing. I just, I thought it's, this could be some phenomenon possibly. And um, I didn't, I didn't really come down one way or the other on that. It was just, it was just something that was really interesting. And um, we just let it go. I'm not really like a big UFO guy. And for some reason, not because it, not because the implications wouldn't be huge if, if, if they were, shown to to conscious alien life to exist in that sense but um i think we're all we all we all have sort of different um triggers in terms of what constitute uh intriguing mystery and for i don't know for me for me it's not um it it doesn't really it doesn't really get me that whole thing doesn't really get me going for some reason i i don't know why so <laughs> there is something to me about the history, I suppose, of uh, Bigfoot and the Sasquatch that feels 
like it has more to back itself up. Whereas I'm able to traditionally brush away a lot of the UFO stuff uh, and explain away. But when people talk about the, the pan-cultural phenomenon of Bigfoot and how in Florida there's sightings and they call it the skunk ape, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. It's Genosqua. Genosqua, I believe, is the Iroquois version of an, an angry figure that's very much Sasquatch-like, and that's of the Great Lakes region. I mean, that to me is the thing I'm struggling with explaining away how across this giant continent that is North America, similar sightings uh, between communities that could not have communicated with one another. You know, how do these stories kind of crop up everywhere? Even, even your searching of uh, BC or British Columbia, rather, the beginning of your book looks like the beginning of a fantasy novel. You start with all these gorgeous maps of the air, the uncharted territories you've, you've gone in, gone into. And these are communities that 200 years ago would not have been interacting. They, there's a huge distance between a lot of these people, but you were finding that these similar stories are popping up across the board. Well, that's, well, that's this whole question is part of the explanation as to uh, why people see or think they see Sasquatches when they in fact don't exist is because there are these, there are these uh, things in stories known as archetypes. There are, there are the, the wild person, the uncivilized, the, um, you know, the, they, they, they exist in all cultures, right? I mean, I think in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a, you know, several thousand year old story tied to Iraq, um, you had, you had um, a character or, or, or a creature was in there who was essentially a Sasquatch, basically, right? So um, you get them. And I mean, I, mean I, I even have a book here on my bookshelf, which is a, a photo book of European wild man costumes that are used in ceremonies across Europe from France to Eastern Europe and that kind of thing. So it, it, it tends because we were like that at a certain point in our, in our, in our lineage, in our history, we, we can relate to that. So I think it's not hard to find references to wild cannibal beings or beings of the forest or, you know, so, um, um, but that could also be because uh, there are, you know, there, there may have been, or may still be Sasquatch type, beings as well it, it could be one or the other or both so well I, i'm certainly i'm certainly a skeptic coming into this world uh about the cryptids and the things that i can't explain away uh which i appreciate that you've approached it the same way gathering information you haven't you haven't come in with a decision made uh you say it in the your first chapter of your book i'm gonna i wrote it down uh, you say it in the first chapter of your book. Uh, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm not sure they exist, uh, but we'll see. And that's your interview with this gentleman, Clark, who took you to the point that he had seen a Sasquatch 30 years prior. Mm -hmm. And it's that same kind of mentality of, I may not know, but we'll see. I haven't seen one yet, but we'll see. Uh, which is kind of the approach I'm trying to take. I'm just having difficulty when it comes to these the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch, the Yeti. Is the Yeti the same thing? Is, is that fall into the same bubble as uh, the Sasquatch stories? Yeah, it's like, a, it's, it's like an Asian cousin, 
basically of the of of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, tied to Himalayan regions, uh, Nepal, China, Bhutan, the parts of India, parts of Pakistan. Um, they all have those sorts of stories, and then you've you've got them in Siberia, sort of the far east of of Russia, but you but you also have them in the Caucasus region of of Russia as well, and um, the Pamir Mountain. So there is like there is a kind of there are similar stories and lore coming from very remote, very mountainous, very inaccessible areas of the world where there are traditional cultures still. Um, and, um, you know, even Australia, South America. Um, but I think the sheer numbers of reports tend to really, I mean, the, the Yeti Nepal thing is sort of, I think has faded a little bit and has become in the same way that Loch Ness monster has, people don't really see it much anymore. Right. So, um, assuming there was anything there to begin with, it's, but in North America, it's, it's become, it's, it has, it has stayed strong. And so, uh, partly a cultural thing, partly reality. I, I don't know. Right. Well, there, there's certainly the East coast. A lot of things are cropping up the Mothman. Uh, like I was saying before the Chupacabra, I believe was Puerto Rico. It's first sighting. There seems to be these newer creatures. Is that, is that maybe human nature to try to see things that don't exist or explain something that they couldn't explain by giving yeah. it a, a paranormal answer? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, there's the, there's the dog man now. That's kind of really the new big thing. Chupacabra has been pretty much um, proven to not be uh, its own undiscovered animal. And, and I even think, and, and I'm, I'm reflecting um, the, the attitude of like, cryptozoologists and people who've investigated it, it's turned out to have just been some feral dog rodent hybrid or the, there is some explanation for it. And I think those sightings have basically stopped. So um, that's sort of my latest, that's, that's, that's what I'd heard recently um, in an interview from someone who had studied them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's always going to be an appetite for unexplainable things. Um, and, and, you know, per, perhaps as Sasquatch becomes more explainable and maybe takes on some biological significance, maybe we're seeing the creation or the rising of these other beings because the Sasquatch thing doesn't cut it anymore, perhaps. And so, um, uh, I mean, the whole dogman thing's preposterous as far as I'm concerned. And so is the Mothman. So like it's, but, but maybe that's their function. Their function is to be this kind of, you know, to be what the Sasquatch used to be maybe, you know, 50 or 80 or a hundred years ago. Whereas now it's sort of almost become, it's moved a little bit towards legitimacy slightly. So it's certainly been around long enough. It's had a, it's had a house on the block the whole time. And so it seems that as these new ones crop up, it almost makes the Sasquatch feel more real because it feels like it, they have such an absence of evidence that it, it almost makes the case for the Sasquatch feel compelling. Mm -hmm. Well, they've got at least the footprints, the people collecting scat and hair, and there's a, some photographs and you know, hundreds of people saying they've seen it and being able to describe something that for all intent and purpose, they're describing the same thing. 
they're all describing a very similar creature, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of miles apart from one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, uh, these beasts of the woods. So your book ends. You, you are still open to the idea. Are you, are you open to exploring where these Sasquatches kind of these stories pop up in other places of North America? Because you covered a huge geographical area, but that's still, when it comes to the continent, that's still you know just a small percentage. It's you covered a huge area, but these stories have been popping up in Southern Ontario, the East Coast, uh, down in Florida, uh, Colorado. It's in California, certainly. Now, do you feel the need to take this further? No, I mean, I, I don't think I would go out of my way to do further investigation or writing about the issue, be, only because um, you're, I'm, I mean, I'm only going to really come up with a lot of the same information and stories anyway. Like, it's just, like, there are, the stories recur in different forms. And so, um, I think I've gotten, I, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, my journey to write my book, um, was also philosophical and I, and I, and I derived a philosophical answer in addition to the flesh and blood, does the creature exist, not exist that satisfied me in terms of really why we pursue the creature. What is this real significance of the Sasquatch, which I would think is more of a psychological thing. So in a sense, um, my appetite has been sated. However, uh, on future travels, if I do hear that somebody had seen one or if it comes up in a conversation, I mean, I'd be really interested to ask people about it or to, and that has happened since I've written the book. I've, I've, I have had people come up to me and tell me and on other trips that like they, you know, someone in the Yukon and people in other parts of BC and just, you know, even, even I'd heard some Ontario stuff not that long ago. So, um, I will always be happy to discuss it and to probe and that kind of thing. But I I think to create, you know, pursue a new project related to it, I'm only going to really come up with the same stuff and the same conclusions based, you know, over again. So I I think this, this one um, example uh, speaks for them all, I would say. Well, it's certainly an in-depth exploration. I can't talk of any, I can't speak to all of the books that have been written about uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot, but certainly this was, you took, you respected the subject matter and I didn't feel pandered to while reading it. And it felt, I felt uh, you were similar to me in your skepticism and wanting proof and hungry for proof and willing and open to getting that. But based on what you have, having to make those uh, decisions on which way you fall. I had built an image of you in my head as okay. uh, people that hunt Sasquatch are going to be essentially Rambo. They are going to be, they're going to be pretty intense about it. They're going to have jars of the pea. you know, they're going to, they're going to really, <laughs> they're going to really have done it that way. And I thought that was a little alienating for me coming from the outside as a skeptic. It is, it's difficult for me to digest that, that level of passion for something I can't, uh, say one way or the other exists or not. Right. And those types of people tend to be the ones who write the books and they tend to be the ones who are, there are from the very beginning, from page one, there is a Sasquatch. Here's why. And they get into all that. And so, and and I think I wouldn't have gotten a publisher had I, even with like, let's say my, my 
acceptable level of writing, it, no one would have taken it on had it not been more, more nuanced and more undecided. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, e- even even with the respectable publishers, I there were a lot of publications who wouldn't review it because they thought it would be that kind of a thing by the kind of I don't want to call them the crazy people or whatever, but like the, let's say the more focused, dogmatic, unrelenting, you know, insistent voices. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it was a travel log and a philosophical journey as opposed to, you know, um, you know, these animals have to exist and you have to believe it and, you know, that kind of thing. So I very much felt like you were giving us the audience, the opportunity to make our own decision based on the information we were hearing as well. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and again, my other, my other motive which was a big one. It might've even been bigger than even trying to find out whether the creature exists or not is to explore the idea of how we believe things and how, and how we perceive. And like, it was really a book about human psychology as well. So um, I, that, that was sort of the hidden motive in, you know, um, running kind of below the, the, what appeared on the surface of the book. And where, where did you land on that in the end about? Well, I, I think where I, where I landed was um, just that uh, we don't, human beings don't perceive the outside world uh, as it actually is. Everything we, we see and we hear and uh, think we know is a, re- is a recreation of what actually exists subjectively. And, um, so I got into the mechanics of that a lot that, 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 you know, even, um, and, and, and how, um, we are skewed in our motives in terms of what we believe or don't believe and, or see or not see. And so, um, so I, I mean, I, I think I, I even said in the, in the, you know, I did say in the book that even if there are Sasquatches, let's say it's likely that many sightings or many encounters or many experiences are um, misidentifications or are, are not actually representative of the creatures. Even if you have Sasquatches, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people who are wrong about that um, because just we're, we're, uh, our, our perceptions are flawed. Well, you talk about these communities that are almost conditioned to believe because of the oral traditions of their stories. And they, they have this heritage of these stories. Uh, so they're almost conditioned to believe Would the opposite of that kind of say that most of us outside of those bubbles are conditioned not to believe we're, we're conditioned to less about having faith and more about what I see is real. Well, I do meant, I do mention in the book that when you speak to people in big cities who haven't been to these places, um, who are more rash, let's say, um, um, rational, uh, technologically affected, more modern in their thinking, let's say, and, um, who just don't, who, who can't really put themselves in the mindset of somebody who lives in a frontier area, they're, you're going to be less likely to believe it. Like, well, like Sasquatch is a huge thing in British Columbia. Yet when I'm in Vancouver, I get, I get 
you know, snickering from people there because they tend to be city folks. Right. And, and even you, you might go hiking, you know, in the North shore mountains and you may, you know, go, go camping, you know, on golden years park or whatever twice a year. But that doesn't mean that you have an appreciation for what it is like to live in a backcountry region uh, where strange things happen. Right. So, um, so yeah, there is a definite urban rural divide. Uh, having said that there are also people in the, on the rural side of things who don't believe because they're like, I haven't seen one and I've spent 30 years hunting and fishing. And if, and if I, there were Sasquatches, I would have seen them. It's kind of an ego thing, I would say. So, yeah. I would definitely say ego comes into play, at <laughs> least with myself and my understanding of, of anything. If I haven't physically seen it, if I ha- it hasn't been my own ears, my own eyes, my own experience, it's difficult to digest. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Once again, John, John yeah. Zada, author of In the Valleys of the Noble Beyond, In Search of the Sasquatch. Fantastic read. I appreciate your time. Oddly, I feel better. No closure, no definitive proof that the Sasquatch or other monsters exist, but I, I still feel better. See, I was beating myself up about this for a while. Police not believing in me friends thinking that I've lost my mind, it's not hard to start believing that maybe, maybe I have lost my mind. But if a legitimate journalist like John Zada is willing to dip a toe into this world, maybe, maybe it's not all that preposterous for me to do the same. He didn't go into this expecting to meet Bigfoot, but he, he did go into this acknowledging that there was enough evidence to at least warrant a look. I'm going to continue to do the same. I will say this though, what he said about the chupacabra only made me believe in them more. Like one escaped and the collective quickly covered it up. That's what they would do, right? And do yourself a favor, pick up John's book, In the Valleys of the Noble Beyond, In Search of the Sasquatch. So big thank you to John Zada for taking the time to chat with me and to Curious Cast for your continued support. I'll see all of you next week for another episode of Escaping Denver.